Barbarians and Rome, an overview and introduction. Now, I've been doing the series on Belisarius and, of course, his dealings with Titola and the other various groups such as the Vandals and the Goths. It brings up a point that when you do the fall of Roman empire. We talk about all the barbarian groups that come in, but we really don't get much background to any of them. There's not enough time in teaching Western Civ. I mean, I would take a week for the fall of Rome, but you could spend that much time on the entire encompassing period with the barbarians and the emperors and the division of the empire. So I looked around and I found that there isn't a lot of information on these various barbarian tribes. There's more now than there used to be, but there's not, not very much. And a lot of what we know about them is relatively simplistic. Whenever you start getting into more background, you realize that they're a lot more sophisticated. I mean, for example, you know, when they're dealing with Belisarius and the Vandals in North Africa and then dealing with the Ostrogoths in Italy, they were quasi-Christians. You have the Aryan group, and then you have Catholics, and then you have the Byzantines. So where does this, where does where did that happen? Where did that come from? And then we have all of these different barbarian groups. So I thought it would be great to do a nice series on the various barbarian groups, just as I was doing with Mesopotamia, talking about the Assyrians, giving you a brief history of all the different groups, and I hope to go back and do the Babylonians and the other groups in more depth. So I thought I'd do the same thing. This is a really strange project because the amount of material that you're going to have to digest is quite large and quite diverse. For example, when I was looking for the background to the Germans, well, I found several books on the background to the Germans and that goes way back. I'm not talking about, we're talking oh, 2nd century BCE, 4000 BCE. I mean it goes back to the time when they are just, just nomads. They are hunters and gatherers. And then they gradually work their way up and become more sophisticated. But they're living in an environment which has glaciers in it. So it's not until you have the end of the glacier period, the last glaciation period, and the warming of the climate so that you can grow crops. And that's one thing that a lot of people don't realize. You look at, when I, I'll just use what I do. You start with Western Civ. I do a background to early man, very brief. I don't have enough time to do all the paleoanthropology, but I do a little. And then we do the Mesolithic, Neolithic. We get domestication and we start farming. And we talk about the earliest farms being in Mesopotamia and Egypt, various the Indus Valley and in China. But there are people living all over the world and they are hunters and gatherers for the most part. And the first groups that become empires are just simply the first people who can grow, grow food. The temperature is fine there. They weren't affected as much by glaciation, so they're able to settle which is why those areas are constantly being invaded by the steppe and by, from other areas where the people were basically nomadic. And when they begin to settle, then their population grows and they have to expand. So it becomes much more complex. You even have positions where parts of the Middle East, you have migrations out of that region prior to the fall of the Bronze Age, all the way to England and Ireland. So this is a very sophisticated situation that we are running into, in addition to the way the world looked. So I'm going to try and do this bit by bit. Now the first part of it will be the most difficult. That is the part where we're going to be going back to the glacial period. I'm going to do that very quickly 
but I need to set that up because the glaciation in Europe is what sets up the differences between the cultures that are south of Italy and east to Anatolia and then everything north of there. And then we'll gradually work our way through that. So ultimately, we'll then end up doing the first barbarian group will be the Celts. Now, they're the most successful in that area. And you, you'll see, like, for example, in, in Spain. Originally, Spain was settled by the uh, Ligurians and one other tribe. Well, then they're conquered by the Celts, and they become Celt-Iberians and Ligurians and others. And the Celts will continue for quite some time, lasting the longest in England and Ireland. And then we have all of the tribes above them, the various Germanic groups and Scandinavian groups. They'll all fall into those, those categories. And so we'll then pick one and move on. So we'll start with the Celts, then we'll move on to the rise of the Germans. So you'll have the Goths, which will be divided into Ostrogoths and Visigoths. We'll be looking at the Lombards, the Burgundians, the Anglo-Saxons as well. We'll be looking at the Vandals. We have to talk about Attila and his Huns because they're the ones that trigger this massive exodus of these various tribes. And we'll be going through them a little bit at a time, but I'm going to try and do the setup first, setting up the environment. And I may have to actually do a video of this with charts and graphs. There aren't a lot of charts and graphs from this material that I have, but hopefully I can dig some up or perhaps manufacture some. I'm pretty good at doing that. And then once we've got everybody in place and we can figure out what period was like why did when were they when did they get out of hunting and gathering and then settle and like that then we can move to some of the different groups such as the Celts that'll be our first group that we'll look at and then we'll move on from there so it's going to be interesting hopefully this won't go way over your head but It'll be a, sh a short introduction that you can use just about any time you want to talk about this type of subject with a, with a group of people interested in the barbarians. So I'm going to talk about some of the sources that I have. Now, I won't use these all the time. For heaven's sakes, if I listed these at the end of every podcast, we would end up with a seven-minute podcast and then eight minutes on the books. But I want to talk about some of the sources that I'm going to use. The one that has the most information from this earliest period is called the Germanic people, their origin, expansion, and culture by Francis Owen. So that will be what I'll be using for the most part in the beginning. Now we've got some primary sources. We've got Tacitus, the Agricola, and the Germania. So we'll be looking at what the Romans are seeing, what's going on. I have to talk with Edward Gibbon. He's the one who calls the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. But we look at him in a little different manner. Then we have a book on Attila and the nomadic hordes. We have a book known as The Civilization of the Celts. That's by Launay. And we have The Civilization of the Steppe. And that is by Conrad. You study the Middle East. And when we did all the stuff with Mesopotamia, for example, and all those societies created them. They always have these fringe groups to the north, to the northeast, to the east. And here they come in. And they go, oh, we got to deal with them. They were constantly dealing with that. The History of the Vandals by Jacobson. This is a really superb book. Uh, the gentleman actually lives in the area where most of the excavation that's been really important to this group comes in. And, of course, we've had an example with uh, Belisarius because he basically ends them. We've got Burns's The History of the Ostrogoths. 
And again, this will ties into Belisarius because Totila is one of the last, if not the last, Ostrogothic king. Then we have the Burgundians, the history of the early kingdoms of Burgundy into the Middle Ages. That's by Charles River. It's a very short, simple book for the big heavy duty, heavy duty stuff. We've got the Barbarian Invasions by Hans Delbruck. This is a classic of the history of the art of war. It's actually volume two of the history of the art of war. And it talks about the decline of the Roman military system and the organizations of the armies and the various groups. Then I have a whole series of short histories and guides to the various barbarians. I have one on the Celts, the Vandals, Gallic Wars, which we're not going to cover. I've covered that with Caesar before. If we need to, I'll just put those up. Sarmatians, Scythians, Goths, which will be Visigoth, Ostrogoth, Attila, and the Anglo-Saxons. And then you have to also include the Franks and the Lombards. Now, as far as the Franks are concerned, I've done a complete history of the Franks through the Merovingians and the Carolingian dynasties. So you can always refer to those if you have all that material that you've saved from all the many years I've done recordings. And if not, you can always pick up a, a CD of them. They're, they're readily available. Then I have a, the one, a book called The Barbarian West, The Early Ages, The Early Middle Ages, 400 to 1000 AD by Wallace Hadrill is really one of the experts on the Merovingians and the Carolingian dynasties as well. So we'll have lots of material. We'll have lots of interesting things to talk about. And this is just a little introduction. Now, next time I will be going through the beginning. Now, the book that I'm going to use on that is the you know, history of the Goths. And it is so detailed that I'm I'm going to shorten it. I'm not going all the way back to Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, man. We're going to deal with the later Ice Ages. Now, I think sometimes we have a little problem with the Ice Ages. For example, here in North America, the Ice Age is not that big of a deal. It is a big deal from the standpoint of the geography and the movements and all, this, all that stuff, but it's not a big deal from a historical standpoint because our only question is, when did man come from Asia or wherever to North America and South America? And it's always assumed during the Ice Ages in that time period. But for the most part, the number of them that we have is not as important because we're looking at people being here 16,000, 18,000, or if you want to take the, the amount of the, the material they found in, in Brazil at 27,000 BCE, you know, the, the, the ranges run along in there. However, in Europe... You have four separate areas that they keep track of, which I'll talk about in detail. And different events will occur at different times, but you have a tremendous change in what, what Europe looked like. When you drop the water level 200, 300 feet, so that the English Channel is the Channel River, which is easily crossed by foot, and you have the Dogger Banks, and you have some other areas that are completely dry that you can walk from North Africa to Sicily to Italy, from North Africa to southern Spain by the what we can now call the Straits of Gibraltar. That's dry. You have the Black Sea being a black lake because it's been cut off. And then you have the glaciation period in Europe where there are times where the people have sections where there is no ice. And when they do have ice, they stop just living in villages, hunting and gathering, and they move in the caves. The other thing that comes into play is how much ice 
The discussion is that some parts of the glacial period at its height were 2,000 feet high. That is not only incredible, but think of the weight of frozen water. So it actually depresses the land. It pushes it down. And when it begins to melt, then it's, the land comes back. Some areas only as of, of bog, like a giant sponge. But that changes the way trade is, is based. That's the way it'll change the way the animals move. It determines, you know, where are you going to build your village? I mean, you can't really build your village in a, in a solid position until you're sure that next, next spring it's not going to be under 40 feet of water. Or in the case of the Black Sea, when the water comes up and breaches the little geological formation that basically blocked the Bosporus from water from going into the sea, and that eventually when it fills up and that gets spilled over, it just fills that basin, which is now the Black Sea, but it filled it when there were people living in villages all around the base of it. So there's a lot of those little things that we don't usually think about. And there's been a lot of good DNA studies. There's been lots of new artifacts that have been found. There's all sorts of things. So that's what we're going to, I'm going to start doing. And I hope I um, don't bore you with it for a while, but stay with me. We are going to get into the religions and the, all the other motivations that come into play. So I've already gone through the amount, of, the type of books that I'm going to be using, so there's no need for me to give you my sources at this time. I will shorten that list depending on what I'm doing. So I hope you enjoyed that, and as always, don't forget to come by the website summahistorica.com or historyaccordingtobob.com and ask a question, leave a comment, check out our merchandise, and if you like what we're doing, please feel free to support us. Thank you very much.